This week on Business Brief, we'll hear about a staple of fall festivities, the pumpkin, and how drought conditions have created challenges for pumpkin farmers. Then, we'll get an update on jobs in the food service sector, which were hit hard by the pandemic but just eclipsed a significant milestone. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Siggy Reese, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chelsea Peter. Chelsea, how are you doing this week? I'm doing fantastic. What about you? I'm doing well. I'm very excited for homecoming this weekend. I know. So many festivities going on this weekend. I know. I'm super excited for the game. I'm excited to see all the downtown businesses decorated mm-hmm. and just to see, you know, like so many um people in town and, uh, you know, celebrating Mizzou. So many alumni are going to be back, so that's going to be exciting. Well, I can't wait, but for now, are you ready to get into this week's headlines? Yes. UAW President Sean Fain said last week that the union will not wait until Fridays as it has previously done to announce walkout expansions. Ford Executive Chairman Bill Ford called on workers to stop striking this week, arguing the economy is at risk. The Missouri Public Service Commission gave final approval to the Grain Belt Express Transmission Line. The approval will allow Chicago-based Invenergy to begin building the first phase of the wind power transmission line. The full transmission line would span 800 miles across Kansas, Missouri, and Illinois. The new approval grants Invenergy the right to create a 5,000-megawatt line, an increase from the company's initial request of 4,000 megawatts. The project has faced years of opposition from farm groups and landowners as the line will cut through private property. Missouri marijuana sales in September hit their lowest level since February, which was the first month of legal recreational cannabis sales in the state. Cannabis sales last month totaled about $118 million. Recreational cannabis sales made up the majority of that total, about $98 million. Medical cannabis revenue has declined every month since March and added up to less than $20 million in September. A federal judge blocked Yellow Corporation's motion to move its Kansas lawsuit against the International Brotherhood of Teamsters last week. Yellow claimed in June that the Teamsters Union broke its contract by blocking a restructuring program that aimed to avoid liquidation and massive job loss. Yellow filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in August, something the company is trying to hold the Teamsters liable for. Yellow filed to move the lawsuit to Delaware Bankruptcy Court, but a judge denied this motion. The Teamsters filed to dismiss the lawsuit in September. Cleaning radioactive waste sites in St. Louis County will be twice as expensive as anticipated, according to a new report from the U.S. Government Accountability Office. The report estimates cleanup will cost a little over $400 million, a significant increase from the less than $200 million projected in 2016. The office attributes the cost hike to the Army Corps of Engineers, which oversees radioactive Coldwater Creek, and says the Corps did not practice quality management. Do you have a pumpkin picked for Halloween? I don't have one yet, but I'm hoping to go pumpkin picking soon. Why do you ask? Well, the past couple of years have been challenging for the farmers growing some pumpkins. Oh, really? Why is that? Rising prices for supplies are one problem, but back-to-back dry years have been a bigger issue, and these dry years are causing farmers to rethink how they'll grow pumpkins in the future. Missouri Business Alert's Tegan King has that story. It's a sunny fall day in Boonville, and farmer Bruce Arnett is driving a tractor through his apple orchard and pumpkin patches. 
Throughout his fields are hundreds of pumpkins of all sizes, some too big for a single person to move. Due to an ongoing drought across most of Missouri, Arnett has had to adjust his planting practices to produce so many pumpkins. You know, it's really clean. That's the dry year. So they're nearly without a blemish. This is what a pumpkin patch looks like that's irrigated. But this is under the best of circumstances. Currently, 84% of Missouri continues to experience drought conditions with an estimated millions of Missouri residents living in affected areas. While many farmers in the Midwest have seen their crops suffer due to persistent drought conditions, Arnett is having one of the best seasons of his decades-long career. The reason is changes he's made to his operations. He says he started to plant his pumpkins about 20 days later than most wholesale farms, which has helped his yields. But the main reason for his successful pumpkin patch this year is an expensive irrigation system he purchased a few years ago. It's pushing water through here, and in the bucket, we've got food for the plant. So we never okay. irrigate without running food in the line at the same time. This is running food, sucking right out of the bucket, goes through the line, goes through this hose, as the drought continues, many farmers are still looking for ways to adjust to what may be a longer-term problem, says state climatologist Zachary Leasor. We've had two back-to-back -back years that have been really dry, and there's you know conversation that really maybe this is a multi-year drought. Maybe it's not a 2022 and 2023, but it's the same two-year drought, and that's why we've seen the impacts be so severe this year. Leasor says these impacts have posed issues for farmers across the state, such as reduced yields. Namely, Missouri has seen a lot of stunted corn growth this year, as well as an early harvest season that was sped up by the dry weather. I think, you know, in the future, they'll look back on this two-year period and, and really think about ways to, to make themselves less vulnerable to these prolonged dry spells. So I think it will have some impacts as far as um, some different, more climate-resilient crop practices. For Arnett, the effects of the drought and rising costs of supplies like fertilizer has made him feel a lot more financial pressure. In the fall, Arnett offers activities like hay rides and apple picking. He increased admission for visitors by $1 last fall, though chose not to do so again this year, even if it would have helped his bottom line. Despite the financial pressures, he wants to stick with it and keep providing fall-themed activities for the community. The kids jump out of the car and they go running. They're just beaming. You know, it's all, I just can't envision not doing it. Now, there may be a point where I'm old enough that I don't want to do it anymore, but right now, thinking, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun. Next year, Arnett plans to reevaluate pricing for admission if his financial pressures continue. In the meantime, he's hoping for more rain. COVID-19 hit restaurant jobs as hard as any segment of the labor force. But the jobs report released earlier this month showed restaurant employment nationally has returned to where it was before the pandemic. Missouri Business Alert reporter Riley Hindle is here today to talk about the current state of restaurant staffing in Missouri. Riley, thanks for being here. Happy to be here. So we all remember the early days of COVID shutdowns and layoffs, but can you help quantify the scale of the job losses in the restaurant sector and the subsequent recovery? Yeah, so before COVID, the restaurant industry employed about 12.3 million people. But at the height of the shutdown in April of 2020, that number plummeted to half of that. It's been a long road to recovery, but as of last month, the industry is back to employing more than 12.3 million people. So that's obviously a national snapshot. What did you learn about the state of the restaurant staffing here in Missouri? 
While the restaurant industry overall has improved from where it started before the pandemic, there's still a lot of variation between establishments here in Missouri. I talked to Buddy Lal, the CEO of the Missouri Restaurant Association. He said that it's the last 10% of staffing that remains a challenge for restaurants. They'll have, they need servers, they need dishwashers, they need busboys, they need cooks, but not at the level they did a year ago. So they've hired some of that staff back, um, but they still have openings, openings that they didn't have before COVID per se. So there's still work to be done in bringing staff back. What are some of the factors making it difficult to fill those positions? Lal said part of the problem is the sheer number of people who have left the restaurant industry as a whole for other jobs. I think the gig worker, that, that whole economy has taken some of the people out, whether they're running Instacart or Ubers or Uber Eats or any of those kind of things. Another factor is simply a lack of resources. We spoke with Gigi Jones, owner of Gigi's Vegan Cafe in Kansas City, for this story. Gigi's had only been open for a month before the pandemic hit. Jones said that while she has been able to bring staff back, she was still having difficulty expanding her staff because she just doesn't have the budget for it. Interesting. Is this a similar situation for other restaurants here in Missouri? No, the staffing situation looks really different for each restaurant. Some haven't been able to spill spots like they want to, and some are back to where they were before the pandemic. There's a lot of factors that play a role in that. Richard Walls is the co-owner of the Heidelberg, a bar and restaurant across the street from the University of Missouri campus here in Columbia. Walls attributed his success in bringing back staff to the nature of his community. Well, I feel that in the, in the local area, in Columbia, Missouri, we have, with the University of Missouri and a transient population, a fair amount of a very educated workforce and a younger workforce that can fill a lot of the jobs that are provided by the hospitality industry. So there's no one-size-fits-all strategy when it comes to hiring staff. It's really dependent on a whole host of other things, right? Exactly. And if that's the case, then where do we go from here? We keep watching. Walls expects that hiring staff to fill gaps is going to depend on the stability of the economy. Recently, the September jobs report showed stronger-than-expected job gains. That means people already have jobs or can afford to choose more carefully where they want to work. Should there be an economic downturn, though, there are likely to be more people looking for jobs. Definitely something to consider. Well, Riley, thank you so much for talking with me today. To read Riley's story on the restaurant industry, go to MissouriBusinessAlert.com. It is now time for us to get into our words of the week. Chelsea, what do you have for us this week? My words are rental regulation. Okay, some alliteration. What's going on there? Short-term rentals like those through Airbnb and Verbo are facing potential regulation in St. Louis. The St. Louis Board of Aldermen gave preliminary approval to a bill last week that would require rental owners to have permits to operate their properties. Got it. And what regulations exist in St. Louis as of right now? At this point, none. The Board of Aldermen has tried for years to approve restrictions, but they've never been successful. So this approval could turn into a first for regulation of short-term rentals in St. Louis. Interesting. So what's the goal of the proposed legislation? The bill sponsor says he hopes that if it becomes law, the bill will make it easier to shut down problematic rentals. A rental permit could be taken away if the owners play loud music or violate city ordinances. The bill would also prohibit stay shorter than two nights. And are other cities considering legislation like this? 
Not exactly like this, but regulation of short-term rentals has been a focus of local lawmakers recently, with Kansas City approving new legislation on rental regulations in May. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? My word is spookiesies. Ooh, that's one I've never heard before. What's a spookiesie? It is a Halloween-themed pop-up bar, and they're showing up all over Missouri right now. Sounds fun. So how do these pop-ups get put on if they're temporary? Well, in some cases, venues can apply to host the pop-up bar, and in other cases, the company that creates the pop-ups also owns various venues where the pop-ups can be hosted. Okay, got it. So what do these spookiesies offer to help people get into the spooky spirit? Many offer themed drinks, put up fun decor, and have their employees dress up in costume. For more on spookiesies across the state, check out the full story at MissouriBusinessAlert.com. For a closing thought, here's Buddy Lal again on the benefits of the restaurant industry. We really do have strong employees and great employees, but it's that last 10%. We just can't seem to get over that hump and get good people that want to stay and work in a job for any consistent amount of time. The restaurant industry is one of the few industries that you can go into with absolutely no experience whatsoever and work hard and become a manager, a general manager, an owner. You can work your way right up through the restaurant industry with, with nothing but just dedication. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. For my co-hosts Chelsea Peter, editors Yashamiko Wychuk, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy, I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Music